This morning we have the privilege of hearing from one that we've heard for a couple times now, and uh, he is back joining us again. Will you please welcome Pastor Denny Balesi? Hey, it's good to see you again. Happy Father's Day. I add my Father's Day blessing to you as a congregation. It's great to see the place is filled up. It's kind of neat, huh? Yeah, very cool. Did you know that uh, Father's Day, up until really more recently because of uh, cell phones, has changed dramatically? Father's Day historically has been the biggest day of the year for collect phone calls. Uh, I'm not kidding you. For years and years and years and years. Something that would never happen on Mother's Day happened consistently on Father's Day. How many dads do we have here today? Oh, very good. How many of you want to be a dad? Ah. Oh, I've got a great story. Uh, a friend of mine was traveling on a, on a, 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 he was a pastor and he was traveling on an airplane and, um, gosh, I forget the story now. <laughs> well, I'll remember it later. Yeah. <laughs> kind of rem- forget how it goes. Oh, no, now I remember. And uh, he's flying with, and he has two of his kids with him on both sides and they're acting out, you know, this, that, and the other, and they're kicking the back of the guy in front of him. The guy turns around and he says uh, to him, gosh, you know, I I wish I had two kids. He he said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And the guy turns around and said, well, I'm, you know, kids are fine. He says, I wish I had two kids. He felt terrible. He says, oh, are you and your wife without kids? And he says, no, I have five. I wish I had two kids. (laughs) 61, you forget, you know, half the stuff that goes on. I want to talk to you this morning. I want to talk to dads, but I want to talk to all of us. And I've asked uh, the junior high and high schoolers to join us this morning because I want to talk about something the Bible talks about that we don't talk about enough, I think. And that has to do with one of the Ten Commandments. It's found in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. Moses is telling the people again the, the, the law, and he's reading it to them, and one of the ones is the fifth commandment. Here, let me read it to you. It says, honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. I've already seen one dad go to his child like that. Now, if you think that that's an Old Testament thing, let me read it to you in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Not just in the land, on the earth, wherever you go, inside or outside of Israel, on the earth. Honor 
your parents. God says, because it's a key to your well-being. And I would add, it's key to getting on with the rest of your life. God says, you mess with your parents, you are messing with your future. Your future. Your whole life in the future. Now think about it. We're talking about stuff like authority and parenting our kids and marriage and deals and relationships with spouses and friends and neighbors and enemies. How we relate to other people in general is oftentimes a reflection, a reaction, or an overreaction of what we've learned, what we've experienced, or how we relate to our parents, either positively or negatively, and especially if we have conflict and ongoing issues and unfinished business with our parents our parents. Now some of you may have thought that this message was just going to be for dads or for kids. And some of you are already want to order copies of it to send to your kids away in college. But I would remind you that this commandment uh, is to all of us because all of us are kids. All of us are kids when it comes to our parents. All of us are kids when it comes to our parents. And I need you to understand something. This commandment has nothing to do with the character of your parents. It doesn't say, honor your father and mother if they were good parents. It doesn't say, honor your father and mother if only they were godly parents. It doesn't say that. It says, this commandment has everything to do with the character of us as children. As children. And God says straightforwardly, we are to honor our father and mother, to honor their position, if not their person. And you may ask, well, how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you honor your parents from God's perspective? And I want to kind of unpack seven ways that I think that we are to honor our parents. And it's all captured in this word respect. Respect. And I put together this little... It's either an acrostic or acronym. I can't remember what those things are. But here's the first one. It, respond, it's, it corresponds to the, to the letter R. We, we respect our parents when we respond to them. Or, or more, first and foremost, when we listen to them. When we listen to them. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8 says... Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to, ordain, to adorn your neck. Listening for a child living at home under the roof of their parents also means obeying them willfully, respectfully. You want to know how to teach your children to respect authority of one kind or another? The Bible says start early and start in the home. Start with discipline. And I would remind us all that discipline is not punishment. Discipline is not punishment. Discipline has to do with equipping. Remember, we, one of the words that we get from discipline in our vocabulary as church people is the word disciple. These were not the punished ones. 
Here, come on, you guys. I'm going to just punish you now for, you know, the next three years. That isn't what that's about. It was about equipping them. Equipping them for something that was to come later. Something that they was going to commission them to do, which was ministry, which was the rest of their life. Discipline has to do with equipping. Now, I understand, too, that, uh, that there are times in which discipline may seem harsh to some. The New Testament in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, one of the great passages that we don't talk nearly enough about, but it, it has to do with this idea of discipline. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Endure hardship as discipline. God's treating you as sons and as sons and daughters. For what son is not dis disciplined by his father? And if you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes some measure of discipline, then you're illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. And I always add here, later. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, nobody likes discipline. Nobody likes it. It's harsh. It's uncomfortable. It's not what we want. We want to do what we want to do, which is one of the reasons why we need some measure of discipline. He goes on to say, how much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but rather painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it, equipped by it, shaped by it, shaped by it. Some of you have had some awkward experiences with discipline, and you're thinking to yourself, I could never do that. My parents were so strict and so punitive that I swore that I would that if I ever had kids that I would never do that to them, that I was going to let them be free to find their own way in this world. Boy, you know, that sounds really, really great, doesn't it? Let me ask you something. Is that a reflection, a reaction, or an overreaction? An overreaction to your relationship with your parents. Proverbs 29, verse 15. 29, 15, says, The rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. You know what that phrase, left to himself, means? It means abandoned. Abandoned. You know what God says? If you as a parent, as I as a parent, aren't willing to train up our kids, to equip them, to shape them, to discipline them when it's necessary, we are actually abandoning our kids. Some of you who are high schoolers in here, a uh, question you have, may have is, well, how long is the statute of limitations on this obedience thing? <laughs> 
And the answer to that is as long as you live under their roof, as long as you live under their authority. There's a time to leave the house. There is a time. In fact, this may surprise some of you who are teenagers, but your parents are actually longing for that day. <laughs> you think it's going to be, you know, that crying thing at the, you know, when they drop you off for college? That's what it is, a day, you know? <laughs> In fact, it's probably just a couple of hours. By the time they get back on the freeway, all the tears are dry, and they're going out to dinner. <laughs> Been there twice. <laughs> know the drill. The tears are real. The reality is the rest of the story. And you know what? There's a time to leave the house. But I remember um, my dad taught me this. He said that there's a right way and a wrong way to leave the house. The right way is with your parents' blessing. The wrong way is with the door slamming behind you. And that has to do with Attitude. 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 And parents, we are preparing our kids to leave the house. That's one of our jobs, is to prepare them to leave. Some of you think, you know, well, we'll just keep them around and we'll keep them around. No, no, no. That's, that's not the job. First of all, when we stand up and we dedicate our kids, we are telling ourselves and telling the rest of the church that they're not our kids. They belong first and foremost to the Lord. We are stewards, managers of what God has entrusted to us when he gives us kids. And our role is to prepare them for the rest of their life, to be faithful followers of Jesus and to pray for them, to train and equip and to help and guide and all those kinds of things. And we get to enjoy that along the way, hopefully. But our job is to prepare our kids. And that means giving them easings and restriction as they get older and giving them more freedom in preparation for that so that they're ready to leave. Unfortunately, a lot of kids aren't ready to leave. And one of the reasons they're not ready to leave is because mom and dad are holding on too tight. But this command still has application for adult children of parents. This idea of responding to our parents in adulthood means listening with consideration and weighing what they say. Does it mean we still have to obey them and everything they have to say? No. But we, but we can be and we should be. Disagree we don't have to be disagreeable or disrespectful or derogatory toward them. Proverbs 15, 15 says... Do I have it? Right one? No, that's not right. 15.5. Oh, thank you. You're probably, a fool spurns his father's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. Now, prudence isn't the name of some lady. Prudence means wisdom. Wisdom. And you know what wisdom is? Wisdom is the ability to take knowledge and apply it to your life. How do we respect our parents? First of all, we, we respond to them as God would have us run. Here's the second one. How do we uh, respect our parents? We express appreciation and gratitude to them. Well, let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you 
thanked your parents, whether you're 14-year-old here or there, or you're 64-year-old here and you still have parents, when was the last time you thanked them? Thank them for what they've done for you. Thank them for college. Thank them for their wedding. Thank you for a house and vacations. And the list goes on and on and on and on. For some of us, that comes easily and readily. For others, it's more judiciously and sparingly. And for some of us, if we're honest, it comes seldom, if ever. And their attitude is, what have my parents ever done for me? Or more emphatically, my parents have never done anything for me. But let me remind us all here this morning that even if in your mind your parents haven't given you anything, anything, at the very least of the means that God has given us and given you and used to bring you into this world and to give you life. In an age of abortion on demand, that is something very significant. Or you wouldn't be here. And if you were an adult with children, your kids wouldn't be here. They wouldn't even be a thought. And not only that, but the vast number of our parents have sacrificed something of themselves for you and for me. They've postponed things. They have delayed dreams and aspirations. They have spent and sacrificed time. You know, the average amount of money that's spent to raise a child in the United States today is $250,000 per child. And I would venture to say in this neighborhood, in this church, that's just the college education that some of you have spent on your children. When was the last time you expressed your appreciation to your parents? for just giving you life. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27. says, don't withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to act or your power to give it. And we're talking about the power of words. Power of words. How do you respect your parents? Well, one, by expressing appreciation and gratitude to them. We honor and respect our parents when we express our gratitude to them. Here's the third one. We respect our parents when we share the gospel with them. One of the great joys of a Christian parent is seeing and leading a child to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'm sure it's one of the things that many of you in this church have experienced. In fact, one of the things that I've heard over the time that I've been here is how much you've appreciated the children's ministry here over the years and you've been a part of that and this church has been a part of, of that and children's ministries and student ministries and some of you I know are adult children of parents who don't know Christ and I want to encourage you to pray and to share your story with them and to keep praying and and sharing your story because more than likely some of you have been praying and praying and praying and there's no interest on the part of your parents to ever know anything about the Lord and that's a something that's troubling to you, understandably so. You know, one of the great joys that I had was uh, my, my wife's 95-year-old grandmother was adverse to the gospel virtually all of her life. She had a son who was a strong, strong, strong believer. In fact, one of the reasons why she didn't want to have anything to do with the Lord is because he kept trying to slam it down her throat. 
And when she was 95 years old in a convalescent hospital, a gal used to come by and, and just visit her from a church in the area. And she, he, she would sit down and talk with her and listen to her woes and this, that, and the other. And she asked her one day, are you afraid to die? And she said, yes, I really am. And this gal just shared Christ with her and asked her if she wanted to receive the Lord, and she did. I had the privilege of baptizing my 95-year-old grandmother-in-law in her convalescent room with a cup of water because that's what she wanted to see happen. She wanted to declare her. So what I want to say to you is never give up. Never stop praying. First of all, we don't convert our parents. Conversion is something God does. We just get to be part of the story. And I remind you from time to time. Let me, let me remind you of, of this one in, in Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3, I believe it is. In, in verse 15, it says, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord, and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And do this with gentleness and respect gentleness and respect. How do we respect our parents? We, we share the gospel with them. Here's the next one. We respect our parents by pardoning them. This is a big one. And by pardon I mean that when we stop blaming them and we choose to begin forgiving them. I want you to know something folks. Nobody, nobody has perfect parents. Nobody. And you know what nobody is in the Greek means? It means nobody. <laughs> nobody. All of us come from some measure of a dysfunctional family. Every one of us. It started back in Eden. It's carried itself on. It's one of the reasons why we need a savior. Huh? Nobody has perfect parents. And get this, and this is going to come as a shock to somebody. Nobody is a perfect parent. Every dad makes mistakes, and every mom has regrets for the mistakes that she's made. And some, sadly, only to themselves. And in doing so, forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Because you know what? Moms and dads live sometimes with tremendous amounts of guilt. And that guilt when it's buried, just turns into more bitterness and it just... The question is, how are we going to handle our parents' mistakes? Because we do have a choice. We can either choose to focus on what our parents did wrong or focus on what they did right. And we can choose to either respond with bitterness or forgiveness. And some of you, again, I'm sure are saying to yourself, you don't know my situation. I will never forgive my parents. Do you realize what you're saying when you say that? Do you realize the position you're putting yourself in? Yourself in? Because some of you are holding on to some of this 
stuff. <laughs> and your parents aren't even alive anymore. Do you realize what you're doing to yourself when you hold on to the stuff that, this, that we're talking about here? Do you, do you realize the position that you're putting yourself in? In one sense, you are really giving yourself a life sentence of anger and hurt and bitterness and resentment for which you're going to be the worst for in the long run. And more than likely, you're going to pass around to the people around you, the people you love the most, and you won't even know it. It's going to leak out of you like alcohol leaks out of a long-term alcoholic. It just comes through the pores. Don't even know it. That's toxicity. That's no way to live. And it's certainly not the way the Lord calls us to live. In fact, one of the reasons that we came to Christ was that we knew we needed to be forgiven. You know, one of the signs that we've come to Christ is that we're willing to forgive others. You see, we're not only the recipients of grace, we're called to be dispensers of grace. And if you don't realize how much you've been forgiven for, more than likely you'll have a very short fuse when it comes to forgiving others. It's a parable about that, remember? There's a parable about that. About the guy comes to Jesus and he owes him, what, 10,000 talents or something? Some ridiculous amount of... A, a talent is not... You know, that, that's not a talent. A talent is 75 pounds of something. In this case, it's 75 pounds of gold. Think about it. I mean, go home and do the math. It's a lot of money. It's more money than more than likely you have or I have in a lifetime. This is how much this guy owed a king. And the king forgave him for that. And he goes home, he's thankful for the king because he's received this enormous amount of grace. And he goes outside and he, he's leaving the king and he sees a guy that owes him 20 bucks. And he grabs this guy by the throat and he says, pay me back what you owe me. And the guy says, I don't have it, but I can get it for you in a month or two. You know, can you hold on? For you? Absolutely not. Sends him to debtor's prison because he owes him 20 bucks. And they report this back to the king. And the king says, call him back in. I want to talk with him. He says, I forgave you a debt you couldn't pay back in a million years. And yet you didn't have the wherewithal to forgive somebody that, you could, rep that could repay you. You don't get it. And Jesus said, this is how it's going to be. This is how it's going to be with people who don't get it. And he said, take him away. Take him away. Ooh. Proverbs 20, 20. says, if a man curses his father and mother, his lamp will be snuffed out in pitch darkness. You say, well, what am I supposed to do with 
all these memories and experiences all of hurt and neglect and disappointment and abandonment and abuse and worse. Are you saying that I should kind of just suck it up and forget it or ignore it or deny it or dismiss it or repress it? No, I'm not saying that. That's not an answer. No. What I'm saying and asking you to consider is to face it and to admit that you've got some unfinished business with your parents and frankly some unfinished business with the Lord. And I'm going to ask you to pray for God to give you eyes to see what this is doing to you and the impact and the side effects and the toll it's imposing and causing and taking on your other important relationships and that you get some help. Some help to work your way through this and come out on the other side whole. And there are lots of people in this community and in through this church that are able to do that and get you on the other side and to experience some freedom. Some freedom. How do we respect our parents? Step by stop blaming them and choosing to forgive them. Here's the next one. How do we, ex by eliminating the barriers to reconciliation with them, by eliminating some barriers to reconcile with them. Some of us have some reconciling to do with our parents. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says, Don't let any unwholesome or careless talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all the bitterness. The rage and anger, the brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ. God forgave you. Get rid of the junk, Paul says. Why? So you can be free. When he talks about compassion and the kind of compassion he's talking about here is the ability to crawl beneath somebody else's skin and see life through their eyes. Some of us need... Uh, what some of us need to do with our parents is to realize that we have high expectations of our parents and we forget that just like us, they are oftentimes and most of the times people who are doing the best they can under the circumstances that they have. Do you realize that your parents were once, once had parents too? And more than likely, they're the products of some of those kinds of relationships. I remember talking with a guy one time, and he said, you know what I've discovered? And, and I was talking about wrestling with some of the stuff with my parents. And he said, he said to me, what's your parents' names? What's their first name? And I said, well, what? He said, what's your parents' first names? I said, well, my dad's name is Harold, and my mother's name is Roseanne. He says, have you ever stopped start, uh, have you ever stopped to think that maybe instead of thinking or calling them mom and dad, you ought to think of them as Harold and Roseanne? Because Harold and Roseanne are real people. Harold and Roseanne have stuff of their own. Harold and Roseanne were the products of homes as well. Harold and Roseanne are going through a lot of things in their life. 
you know what, if we begin to realize that your parents and my parents are real people just like you and me, we might have a lot more sympathy and compassion for who they are. And it may break some of the barriers for us to get some of the reconciliation that may be necessary. Moses said, honor your father and mother. Paul said the same thing, that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life on the earth. Here's the, the next one. We respect our parents when we care for them. When we care for them. You know what I've discovered? I've discovered that life is a series of seasons. A series of seasons. You know, there's childhood. You know, we've got our grandkids with us today. And boy, just being with them makes you feel younger or older. Uh, <laughs> but there is a season, you know, of infants and then you know, the, as they start to get to that awkward age where the teeth are going this way and the, you know, this, that, and the other. And, and, and then you get into junior high and high school and then there's a college age season and then there's that married season and then that, there's that great season when your kids actually leave with somebody and it's a wonderful day. And then there's that season where you go through the difficulties of them wanting to break loose of some of the things that they've had with their family. It's awkward. And now, now I'm in this season at 61 years old. I can't even believe I'm saying that. I've got four grandchildren, which doesn't bother me at all because grandparenthood is the best gig in the world. <laughs> you know, if I knew how great it was to be a grandpa, I would have had my grandchildren first. <laughs> um, and I forget what I was going to say after that <laughs> which is a sure sign that I'm a grandfather uh, oh I remember what I was going to say the weirdest thing about this season is that I have two daughters in their 30s which is really seems rather strange but it's a wonderful season a different season than I've ever had with them before and they want to take me out to breakfast tomorrow morning just to be with their dad isn't that neat? Really, kind of neat. But I'm also in a season with my parents. Three of my four parents right now, all four of our parents are still alive. 89, 88, and 82, and 82. One of my grandparents, one of my, uh, my father-in-law has been in a hospital the last month with a had surgery for kidney removal, was cancerous. He's recovering from a stroke that he had a year and a half ago and is still not able to walk, paralyzed on the left side. Before that, had an aneurysm in his heart, an aneurysm in his brain. Fell down, broke his hip. That's just in the last two years. We got a phone call this last week that my mother-in-law fell for the second time and they thought she broke her neck. And she's in uh, Sunrise over here with dementia. My dad is a shadow of the person that I remember wrestling with uh, Alzheimer's in the same facility. Recognizes me and my sisters, but couldn't tell you who we are, 
what our names are. It's killing my mom. Been married for 63 years and he doesn't remember her all the time. My parents, very good parents. My in-laws were very good parents to my wife. And, um, you know, we didn't have to care much for them growing up. They were very together people, able to, but this is a season when all the things start to, start to change. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, they say over at sunrise that people go from, they, they go in there, they're kind of in junior high. And then as things begin to deteriorate, they go into elementary school. And they get on the third floor where my dad and my mother-in-law are right now. They're in preschool. And pretty much going like to preschool. I realize, you know what, this is, I can't do much for my dad, but I can't be there can hold them, can remember some things, talk to him a little bit, he doesn't understand a lot of things I say, he can't talk, we can care for him. Sometimes caring is as simple as keeping in touch. I would think back and realize, you know what, I was often so busy that I didn't call as much as I wish I did back when I was, uh, when they were younger and I was younger. Caring can be as important as affirming them. It can be as comprehensive as nursing them. Paul wrote to Timothy, said, and reminded us, the primary responsibility for taking care of our parents doesn't belong to the state. It belongs to us. And when we do, we are respecting them as the Lord calls us to. Here's the seventh one. We respect our parents when we teach these principles to our children. To our children. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 6 through 9 It says, These commandments that I give you today are be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Why, you ask? Why would we do such a thing? So that you never forget them. You know why? I think I've told you this before, but you know why we're told so often not to forget, not to forget, or to remember, 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 remember? Is because the surest thing about our humanness is our tendency to forget. We've been talking about honoring and respecting our parents this morning. But there's one last closing word to parents that's actually a New Testament thing, but I think it 
Paul gives it to us. And essentially he says, parents, and today I want to say dads in particular, be honorable. Be honorable. Children, obey your parents. But parents, be honorable. Be honorable. How do you be honorable? Essentially, be a godly man. Some of you, I would expect that that's something, you, you were saying, you know, I expect that's something that, uh, that God would say. But what does it mean? Well, it means, if you go back and read through that, that passage again, and, or Deuteronomy chapter, it means to love the Lord with all of your heart. It means to consider, do I live my life out of a hard heart or a tender heart? Be a godly man. It means to remember the Lord. We talked about that. It means to serve the Lord. And to serve the Lord doesn't mean to so much put him first as much as it means in my mind to put him at the center. The center. I think that we made following Christ this idea of a linear thought that the first thing and it doesn't mean anything to us anymore I don't even think we think that way think of your life as a circle as a bicycle and think of the hub that drives that bicycle and the spokes are all the other things in your life you know what nothing was meant to be at the center of your life other than the Lord himself and you know why because that brings balance to all the other important things in your life. And you know why God says, put me at the center? Because none of those other things can be at the center of your life and give balance to who you are or what you're about. Love the Lord. Remember the Lord. Serve the Lord. Declare the Lord. Let your voice let your words, let your actions be the things that say, you know what, I'm a follower of Christ. Be a godly man, Dad. Here's the second one I would say to you in being honorable, be a loving husband. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Now, there's a high call for you. Sit and meditate on that one for a while. Because I would remind us all, guys, that Christ gave his life for the church. And Paul is saying, this is what I'm calling you to do. Give your life here. Because, in fact, that's maybe what it's going to take from time to time. As you've given up being the Lord of your house and being the servant to your wife. Be a loving husband. You know what, Dad? The best thing that you can do for your kids and for their future is to love your wife as Christ loved the church. It will bring more stability to your home and more of a picture of what it means to be followers of God to your kids than anything else. And Paul defines what that love looks like and 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And he lists them out. 
and all he says that there, it's patience and kindness. It's not jealous, but trusting. It's not arrogant or boastful, but humble and thoughtful. It's not rude, but polite. It's not self-serving, but self-giving and self-sacrificing. It's not angry, but peaceful and content. It's not holding resentments and secrets, but communicating and confronting differences and seeking closure and forgiving. It's about protecting her and believing in her and dreaming with her and continuing with her. Peter says, treat your wife with consideration in an understanding way so that nothing will get in the way of your prayers. Do you realize that your relationship with your wife, guys, has more to do with your prayer life than maybe anything else that you do. Be a loving husband. And here's the last one. Be a wise instructor. Be a wise instructor. When Paul gets done talking about the bringing to the New Testament the, uh, the command of the Old Testament in Ephesians chapter 6, he ends with this one in verse 4. He says, fathers, don't exasperate your children. You know what? That means don't drive them crazy with your stuff. <laughs> don't exasperate them. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Be a wise instructor. A wise instructor. Now, with balance. A balance between firmness and tenderness. A balance between pushing and pulling. A balance between encouragement and the occasional kick in the butt. Because we all need a kick in the butt from time to time. Right, Dad? Close enough to watch and feel the right mix of what is needed. Now let me close by just saying that no dad is perfect. We've already said that. All of us have got room to grow and all of us need to grow. Here's my question for fathers. What area, what area of growth is God calling you to pay attention to the most this year? Is it as being a godly man? Is it in being a loving husband? Or is it in being a wise instructor? I'm hoping that you know which of those three God's saying to you this morning, this is the one, young man, middle-aged man, elderly man. Let's pay attention and let's go and do what God calls us to do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of being with this church today. Thank you for your goodness and grace to us all. Thank you that uh, you're a father who cares about his children. And Lord, I pray that uh, whether we're children in here with parents or whether we are parents with children, that you would uh, help us to give us eyes to see the things that you wanted us to see this morning. That you give us ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is placing upon our hearts. And that you'd open our hearts wide enough for you to speak into that and change us where change is necessary for us to become more like the people that you call us to be when we leave this place and for weeks and months and years to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Happy Father's Day, dads. Have a wonderful time. Go barbecue a steak in the Lord's name. We'll see you next week. Nate Burris is preaching. You don't want to miss that. Have a wonderful week. Pray for us. We need your prayers. Have a wonderful week, church. We'll see you later. One.